Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take in a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. What's up, everyone? Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm Kieran Anderson, the host, and today I'm welcoming Max Fleming. What's up, buddy? How are you? Yeah, buddy. I'm doing good. How are you? Good. What have you been up to? Uh, I've been fishing a ton. Doing a lot of fishing, a lot of surfing. Uh, mostly I'm working, but I work at the beach. So whenever I get a chance to, I hop out of my break. That's not that surf. bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't complain. Yeah. So have you too, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I lifeguard also. Nice. So with your agency for lifeguarding, do they have just seasonal positions for guards and then they have full-time spots too, right? Yeah. So I've been seasonal for the past six or seven years I've worked there just because I've been in school. And uh, this past spring yeah. I graduated. And so now um, I'm in a position where I can kind of move up in the ranks and try to get in that permanent spot. So yeah, that's that's kind of the process right now. I'm fired up because that schedule is going to allow me to be able to fish and surf and do all that stuff a lot more. Yeah, I'm, I'm fired up for the opportunity. So what kind of stuff are you into? You fish, you dive. Yeah, fish, dive, surf, you name it. Anything that has to do with liquid water, I'm there. What about like solid? Solid water, I like, you know, snowboarding and stuff. You can't, you're not good at ice skating? Uh, I mean, I've tried. What about ice fishing? You know. Have you ever ice fished? No, that's something I actually really want to do though. Dude, let's do that. That would be little, so little fun. Little Kieran and Max Alaska trip or what? Dude, oh my gosh. Yeah, I think, I think that's game on. I love Alaska. It's so sick. Have you ever been? Yeah, dude. I went to like Sitka. Dude, I got some halibut, lingcod. Nice. Sick. The fishing is insane. I want to go salmon fishing there. The water up there is just so cold and, you know, nutrient rich. It's a lot easier to fish up there than it is down here. But then you also have to deal with the cold and the storms and it's hard to get to. I kind of like the cold. I mean, I'm more of like a warm kind of guy, but, you know, Southern California... People are like, oh, yeah, Southern California, the weather's always perfect. Yeah. It's like three months of the year, you're like, oh, this is sweet. And the rest, it's like, okay, well, I'm wearing like a flannel and jeans and like a sweatshirt in the morning. And then by the afternoon, I'm like, okay, now I'm in a t-shirt. You got to, you kind of prepare for like all weather conditions if you're going out and it's not the middle of summer. Yeah. Imagine going to like Alaska right now. Actually, it's probably warm up there. It is probably nice up there, but I mean, isn't the sun out like 20 hours of the day? Yeah. Summer solstice? Insane. I mean, that's just more time to go fishing, huh? Four yeah, hours dude, in the we day. We stay up for 20 hours straight fishing. Yeah. Sign me up. So would you say that out of all of your little frothy activities here, uh, fishing's your your go-to, spear fishing and fishing, yeah? Yeah. I'd, I'd say right now, like it, it kind of shifts around a lot for me. You know, it's whatever kind of mood I'm in. And lately, I've just geeked out. On fishing. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd say for me right now, I've just gotten really into um, like surface iron fishing. So like using a jig stick. For those of you who aren't familiar, that's using a, a long rod. So something around nine foot and throwing something that's called a surface iron. Pretty much so a, a chunk of aluminum that is shaped in like a five inch, not quite fish shape, but it's it's almost like a surfboard. I know. It's you look, weird looking. Yeah, they're a little funky looking. So they 
you look at them based on they have like a Holden nose. They kind of have some wide, wide hips, but they're a little bit higher on the axis of it. And then it has a little tail on the end and uh, a treble hook on the bottom. And it pretty much just skims just below the surface and this in this weird wobbly motion. And you want to look for surf signs that are actually kind of like asymmetrical, that are kind of misshapen or have something weird. Like in the eyelid of it, it's a little tweaked. And so it'll have like four or five consistent kicks and one big one. And the fish t- tend to freak out and want to eat it more when they do that, that weird funky kick because it kind of seems like it's running from a predator. Yeah. So bluefin season right now, obviously. Yeah. And uh, we're talking about irons. Are you having luck with the irons? Have you been bluefin fishing recently? Yeah. I mean, I, I work five days a week. So my two days off, yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm out there all day and just desperately trying to catch a bluefin. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've, yeah. I've been trying a lot of stuff and uh, I've actually had pretty decent returns using the surface iron. Really? It's, yeah, which is interesting because these bluefin are feeding on like tiny, like one inch sardines. Yeah, anchovies and stuff like that. Some of them are eating sardines, anchovies, but yeah. I mean, they got to be like eating to want to eat a sardine. Yeah. I heard the snipers are working super good. The little snipers. Yeah. Colt snipers, mega baits, all that stuff's working really good. You know, I, if I'm using one of those, I usually, I'll switch out the hooks on them. I, mm-hmm. I like using a big single hook rather than a treble hook just because of the way it sits in the corner of their mouth. For example, the other day, we ended up going four for eight. And of the four that we lost, three of those were because of a treble hook. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, I, because of that, I've switched out a lot of my jigs, just stock hooks on there to like six, seven-aught single hooks. And, you know, they definitely stay on <laughs> a lot better than they do with the treble. Is that kind of like those knife jigs or whatever, the ones that you just drop? You know how they have double... Yeah, they, they got the stinger hooks, on hooks or uh, assist hooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they're called. Some guys will use those because they have that. Um, I can't remember the name of the cord on there, but it's it's like two hundred pound test, almost like braided line that is professionally attached yeah. to the back of the hook, and you'll kind of just slip it through and cinch it down on the on the ring on the back. I typically use split rings with just like a straight up like owner or some kind of single hook the site offset and yeah it's like six or seven on and just split ring it to the back how'd you get so into fishing was your dad like crazy into fishing growing up yeah my dad he actually grew up in the valley his escape was driving to the beach and surfing in malibu and in doing so he figured out he wanted to be a part of the surf industry and he ended up you know doing a bunch of surf competitions and stuff like that when he was in high school And he met a lot of really talented watermen that were kind of paving the way back in the 80s and stuff. So I don't know if you're familiar with the name Willie Morris, but he was one of the most photographed and published surfers of all time back in the day. And uh, he is also a really talented commercial fisherman. So him and my dad started going out and taking his boat out, the Lexi, which is a 26-foot Anderson. It's a sister ship to... Riders, 22 foot Anderson. Rider DeVos. Yeah, Rider DeVos. And um, yeah, they would take that boat out and go find waves on islands all across the Southern California coast and go surf and fish. And yeah, he, he got my dad really into fishing 
taught him a lot of what he knows. And fishing has become something that is really special for our family. Something my dad and I like to do together a lot. Uh, We have a lot of good bonding time. It's fun to kind of spitball ideas off each other. Like, okay, they aren't eating this. Now what? Kind of figuring out from the ground up, how do we do this? You know, (laughs) how do we successfully get fish to want to bite when they don't typically want to bite? And so I've I've grown up grown up uh, fishing with my dad. He's he's had a number of boats, and I've been very fortunate that he's been able to teach me so much about fishing and how to safely operate a vessel and, you know, how to navigate the sea if equipment fails. And yeah, I'm very fortunate to have a person like that in my life. That's rad. Yeah. So your family then is like the Waterman family. You guys are the epitome of salt life. Yeah. I never really thought of it like that. Yeah. That's pretty cool (laughs) to hear out loud. (laughs) No, I mean, if you think about it, you guys do it all. I mean, for you personally, as Max Fleming, like, we were talking before this too. I mean, you're a lifeguard, you fish, you dive, you surf, um, you know how to run a boat, you can captain a boat, right? Like you mm-hmm. kind of have all those traits that are direct with being part of the salt life. So, and it sounds like your dad is the same way um, mm-hmm. and your, your family. So that's super rad. Yeah. Very, very fortunate to, you know, live this life. I, I definitely couldn't picture my life without the ocean. I don't know about you. Yeah, hundred percent. It's something that I just I need to survive to be, you know, me, sane. Yeah, I'd go nuts if there was all of a sudden one day no ocean. How often do you uh, dive in on patties or for tuna and stuff with a gun? I typically will try to get them on rod and reel first. Yeah, just because for for fishing for me, like the reason why I got so into the whole surface iron thing, it's more so a lot of technique and learning what the fish wants to eat at a given day or time. And so it's a lot of a lot of practice, a lot of fine-tuning things. And like once you finally get a fish to bite a surface iron and then you successfully get it to the boat, it's it's like this I did that kind of feeling. I don't know how else really to describe it, but it's it feels like a big accomplishment when it all finally comes together. And so I, I try to I try to accomplish that first because it's something that I've I've been geeking out so much on recently. But if they just are not biting anything and I, you know, I want to bring home a couple tacos, then I'll hop in for sure. That's sick. That that's kind of my take on patty hopping and stuff like that. Something I do want to get into though more, and I need to talk to Ryder about this, is uh Spearfishing for bluefin, big cow bluefin tuna. That's just something that takes so much, you know, expertise and so much teamwork in order to like, A, find the fish, get in the water safely, shoot the fish, and then get the fish on the deck. It's, uh, it sounds like a lot of work and I just, I haven't had it line up yet to where I have gotten to get all of those steps to successfully pan out. It's it's hard. I just went yeah. on a trip for two days with one of my buddies on his boat and there were foamers everywhere. It was insane. Just bluefin everywhere. A couple mm-hmm. of the foamers we saw had like 150 pound plus fish in it. And uh, one of the foamers was so big. We like got in front of the foamer and I was like, hey, I'm jumping in. I, the gun I had was like a double band JBL. <laughs> it was so small. 
And yeah. I like jumped in. I was like, oh, I'm going to shoot one for sure. I was all frothed up. But dude, as soon as I got in the water, I was thinking to myself, like, if I got, if I get one of these, I didn't have a float on also. I just went in with a gun, yeah. like frothed out. But I was like, if I shot one of these right now, dude, I'm losing the gun or I'm going under with it. Like yeah. they were so gnarly. Like there is a lot of stuff you got to think about and safety too. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I'm hopping in. And then afterwards you're like, wait, wait a second. What did I just do? Yeah. <laughs> now that I look back on it, I'm like, this was probably a really bad idea. What's the, yeah. um, what kind of big fish have you gotten? What's like the biggest, what's your trophy fish that you got right now? Oh, man. Um, besides your six inch trout from the lake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah the other night I, I got like a two and a half inch calico in the Harbor on micro gear. <laughs> no way. Pretty fired Did up you on actually? that. Oh dude, it was tiny. It was the smallest calico That's I've sick. ever seen. But yeah, I was using like a one thirty second ounce hookup bait. It was pretty funny. Um, <laughs> But I actually, okay, I, I haven't gotten that many, like, you know, huge fish that are like, oh my gosh, that that's insane. How'd that happen? You know, um, biggest fish I've caught and like actually landed, I've pulled on fish that are big, very, very big. But the biggest one I've landed was 165 pound bluefin. That was last year. It wasn't the biggest bluefin ever, but you know, it definitely put up a, put up a good fight for the gear we're using. Earlier this year, this one's actually, I was pretty stoked on. I was on a charter on the Pacific Clean and we got in a really good deep bluefin bite and you're dropping, you know, like knife jigs, flat falls, sinker rig, sardines down to like three to 500 feet deep for these bluefin that you're yeah. just getting on sonar marks. And um, yeah, I ended up landing a 110 pounder on 40 pound test on a single speed reel. and that was That's I sick. felt that was like a big accomplishment for me it was getting a fish that was almost triple the line rating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was that was really cool. That's what happened to us, dude. On on light gear? Yeah, we got like a hundred and fifty pounder on forty pound test. Sick. When we got on the boat, dude, it was tail wrapped and the hook was straight. It wasn't <laughs> even it wasn't even a hook anymore. It was just straight like an arrow. He bent it, dude. It was so gnarly, like you if guys that, got so if that lucky. fish didn't get tail wrapped, we wouldn't have landed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We got so lucky. That's insane. How long did it take you to reel that thing in? I think it was actually just under an hour. So that thing oh, was wow. spooling us. It was like, I mean, if you're 500 feet deep, we're on a, I can't remember the exact size of the reel. It was some kind of vet. It was an old single speed Avid that my Uncle Willie, the guy that taught my dad how to fish, gave us. I gave my dad. I was using that gear and yeah, that thing was just almost spooled. Just had to, you know, grip the spool, throw that thing in free spool, crank yeah. down because it was a, you know, it's a lever drag and you can't adjust the drag after it's already been set and it's in gear. So you have to put it in free spool, twist that little knob down even tighter and put it back into gear in order to tighten the drag. So that happened. <laughs> that was scary. Ended up tightening the drag way down. And at that point, it was just like stalemate. He takes an inch. I take an inch for the next 45 <laughs> minutes all the way back into the boat. And thankfully, we weren't there for three hours. <laughs> what 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 did you get that fish on? Sinker rig sardine. Oh, sick. Yeah. Take like a two ounce 
torpedo weight and you rubber band it to your, your leader line, like four feet, three feet above where the hook is. And then just nose hook, sardine. And uh, you want to slowly let that out so that it goes through each level of the water column and it kind of sits there for a second. So it can swim around in that little area of the water column, hopefully getting right into that perfect zone where those fish are feeding. And that happened at about 450, 500 feet deep. Oh my goodness. And, you know, with the drift and the way that the line is scoping out, you know, you're, you're getting bit with like 700 feet off your reel. So it's already, <laughs> you're already, you know, you got the odds stacked against you a little bit there. But, but especially with the 100 pound fish, that's not happy. <laughs> Dude, that's crazy that you got them that deep. Yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I personally, I, I never have fished for, for bluefin that deep. I'm usually running and gunning and then casting into foamers. That's, that's usually the way I fish the long yeah. rod and just get a bait right in the, like right in that eye of the storm, you know, right where all those bluefin are feeding and pushing all those little tiny one inch micro baits flying out of the water. We got a couple on jigs that day too. It was a lot of fun. That's sick. I feel like yeah. the, the live bait right now is not the call. I mean, don't get me wrong. The two yeah. that we got were on live bait, but mm-hmm. I just think that those like snipers and the little jigs right now are what's doing well. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't even been picking up bait the last like five times I went out. And yeah, I've just been casting, you know, those little tiny metal jigs or my surface iron. And, you know, we've, yeah. we've been doing pretty well. I mean, yeah, I'm losing a lot of fish, but that's because we're using light gear with fish that are pushing triple digits. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's kind of what you got to do right now. Either that or fly the kite, which yeah, that is yeah. something that I'm learning right now. And it's those are working. Yeah. The, the kite fish that have been coming back in have been nice. They've been like around 200 pounds. Yeah. It's something new that I'm starting to kind of get a grasp on. It's just hard because I feel like I got the surf iron thing going pretty good for me right now. Now it's another thing that I have to kind of learn and master. And Flying a kite's pretty hard too because you're using two rods and it really does take mm-hmm. two people in a way. Yeah, when you're flying the kite, like you said, you know, you, you have two rods, two people essentially trying to set up this gear and successfully get it to where the fish are away from the boat. And you got those two people have their own thought process of how it's supposed to go and yeah. getting on the same page and trying to communicate with one another to make sure that a, the kite's flying and B the bait is doing what you want it to do and C that you aren't getting your indicator caught up in, you know, that, that release clip and trying to make sure everything is all like right at the right levels. So it could perfectly get away from the boat and get into the fish is especially when there is foaming bluefin right next to the boat. It's really hard to slow down. Oh, it's so it's so and, gnarly. Dude, because it's it's like all hell breaks loose. You're like, oh my God, what's going on? And to like stop and take a deep breath and go, okay, everyone calm down. We're gonna go slow, you know, slow is smooth, smooth is fast, that whole thing. Getting that bait right in the middle of this foaming bluefin. So that's something that I'm I'm working on right now with, uh, you know, my dad and my buddies that I go fish with. 
Yeah. And then also you got to take into account, you got to drive the boat too. Oh yeah. There's a third person who's, you know, if you, if you don't have much wind, which in California, you know, we don't fish with much wind. I know on the East coast, those guys go out and crazy winds. I mean, crazy for us, I guess. Hurricanes. But they're, they're flying. Yeah. Hurricanes. <laughs> they're, they're flying their kites and their kites have like 15 holes in them because it's so windy over there. For us, we're, you know, we're tying on a big old helium balloon and using like a me- medium wind kite. Typically, it's about all we need. Sometimes we just go straight balloon too, if there's no wind. Yeah. That's, you know, process in itself as well. So b- back to the whole surfing scene, do you, did you grow up surfing too, doing events or um, were you more into, more into fishing? Yeah, I, I grew up more into surfing actually. I was doing like WSA events like yeah. that, stuff for school. I just, when it came to surfing, Surfing for me was like my escape. And like I, I used to compete a lot in surfing and doing stand-up paddle as well. And I kind of I've gone back to my roots more so that like, okay, for example, I would rather surf like a a five out of ten all by myself than like a ten out of ten perfect wave with a thousand other people. That's just the kind of surfer I am. Like when push comes to shove and like you know, the surf's really fun. I'll just go out to Creek because it's my home break. I don't care. It's packed. Like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. But typically I, I like to go out. I like to go be semi alone, you know, one with nature and just get some good meditation in, you know, surf, practice my tricks. You know, I'm sure you get it. I don't know how you are when you come to surfing, but no, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm the same, I'm the same exact way when it comes to surfing with nobody out. Like, I yeah. love being solo in the water. And that's why I like surfing in Oregon or like cold mm-hmm. water spots because nobody's surfing. It's my yeah. favorite. Yeah. So that's that's like when I was younger, I used to compete a lot. And I noticed I would get overly competitive, you know, to the point where like I would get frustrated with my surfing. And on the days where I would just be surfing for fun, I would be kicking myself, you know, if like I, I didn't, you know, pull a trick that I've been trying for a long time, or if I'm just, my, my pace is off, you know, and I'm just not getting the waves I, I wanted to get and stuff like that. And so later on in my surfing career to where I am now, I've liked slowing down with my surfing and not worrying about like, oh, okay, I have to perform. It's just for me. I like to do it for fun. And it's turned into something that, you know, I really, I'd never get frustrated with myself when I'm surfing anymore. I mean, yeah, rarely, you know, just like, oh, whatever. But yeah, for the most part, I, it's just fun. Yeah. I think that's, that's huge too, because that's how I was too, dude. Like I would get super, super frustrated when I was trying turns and falling or like trying in air and be like, what the heck, man? Like, this is so frustrating. I've got a filmer on the beach and I'm just yeah. so mad right now. But now I just like, seriously though, now I just like go out and I'm like, oh yeah, whatever happens, happens. Like, oh, mm-hmm. my buddy's filming on the beach. Cool. Like if I get away, whatever, that'll be cool. But, and when you just let go and you just have fun and you're out there smiling and laughing with your friends, it's way better. Oh yeah. I agree with you a hundred percent. And that's why like Ryder and I, you know, we, we like to surf off the boat, you know, get into spots where yeah. you can't typically surf. 
whether it be because it's on a military base or because it's on an island, you know, it's figuring out ways to surf by yourself. Like novelty waves, one, yeah, novelty waves are fun because there's something different and it's something that you don't typically get to see every day or get to experience. But even just like finding a good little peak and just having it be you and a couple of buddies is there's nothing like it. Speaking of you and Ryder DeVoe, weren't you with him for that video that went viral for the shark? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Talk to us about that. Okay. So that, that day, Ryder and I had gone out to the Channel Islands to surf and fish and dive. And we started the day off by surfing, actually. You know, we got a couple of fun waves and then we went into free diving got a couple white sea bass. And then, you know, we just tried fishing one of the rockfish spots out there. Got a couple rockfish. And uh, we're coming back in. We're like halfway in between the channel. And Ryder spots this, this fin sticking out of the water. And we pull up next to it all slow. And we see like, oh my gosh, just this massive basking shark. Ryder's like, dude, I've always wanted to swim with one of those things. It's all frothing on it. And I was like, dude, I'll drive the boat. You hop in. And he's like, all right, film it. And I start filming him. And like, I back the boat up to him nice and smooth. And the shark's right there on the surface. And Ryder jumps off the back of the boat in his like little half dive wetsuit, which everyone, I guess, loved in the comment sections. <laughs> but yeah, he, he hopped in on that, that basking shark. And the way that it turned around, it was no longer acting like a basking shark. And I kind of panicked for his life because I care about him, you know? And I was like, ah, hey man, it's not a basking shark. Like, don't freak out. Don't make any sudden movements, but like, get on the boat, you know? And, uh, oh gosh. Thankfully, to, to clear the air, it was a basking shark, like reviewing that video like a hundred times, going back and forth like, well, was it? No, it, it was a basking shark. He would have been fine either way. You know, he was just taking a little swim with some aquatic life. Uh, but it, it definitely <laughs> was a, a big scare for not only us, but, you know, everyone who ended up seeing that video. Um, it's <laughs> yeah, that was that was one heck of an experience. For sure. I couldn't imagine what was going through Ryder's head in the water because what was going through my head on the boat was insane already. So. Dude, that kid is such a frother. He's such a frother. But you two together, though, you two together is the mix of full froth. Yeah. Oh, we, we like to have our fun. Ryder definitely pushes my limits a lot when it comes to actually getting in the water. It's. He's a lot of fun to be around when you're on a boat. He's like, oh yeah, what, 80 feet? Let's just go dive down there and shoot him. I'm like, okay, hang on. Don't we have to like, uh, yeah, dude, go I, through the process of like, <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know how he does it. Like 80 feet deep, dude, is such a dive for me. If I'm oh, going yeah. 80 feet, I'm coming straight up. There's no way I'm, I'm uh-huh, I can't it's stay like down, down there. Up. Yeah. Yeah. But he's like, no, let's we'll go hang out down there and wait for him. I'm like, I, Sure. <laughs> no, 
he's like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to go down. We're going to wait for him. We'll have a cup of coffee down there. You know, I have this uh-huh. underwater magazine we can read. Uh, I'll be, we'll be down there for a couple minutes and then we'll just come back up, dude. Everything's going to be good. Maybe we'll see yeah. a couple bluefin. It'll be sick. You're like, dude, what are you talking about? I can dive yeah. like 10 feet and I feel like I got to come up. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Contractions. just <laughs> Yeah. So funny. Yeah. A, a serious dive for him is like pushing triple digits. Are you serious? Dude? You know that I feel like for Ryder, that's something where it's like, like, okay, I gotta, I gotta prepare for this one, you know, whereas I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to the bottom in the kelp forest. I gotta, I gotta do my breathe up. I'm happy to hit double digits. Yeah. Right. Well, my ears, I got small canals. I don't know about you, but <laughs> equalizing for me is like a, it can be a hindrance sometimes. Do you, do you kind of get the same way where you can't equalize? Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And my, I've ever since I ruptured my eardrum last time, I have better mm-hmm. equalizing now. It's weird. Really? So do you recommend to the public to just yeah. push as hard as you can and blow out your eardrum? So next time, you know, <laughs> equalize a little bit easier. That was, that was from surfing. Do not rupture your eardrum. It sucks, dude. <laughs> it's the worst thing ever. Yeah. How do you, how do you rupture your eardrum surfing? Um, I just pulled into a tube at DMJ's. We were doing step offs and it wasn't even that big. It was probably like four or five foot, but it was just so gnarly, low tide slabbies. And I just pulled in this tube. And then DMJs will definitely do it to you. Yeah, dude. I don't even know. I just came up and my ears filling with water and I'm like looking around just what the heck is going on? And I was like, dang it. I ruptured my eardrum. Like, where am I? Yeah. Which way's up? Yeah. But it was all That's good. Right. Dude. It's whatever. It's part of the game, right? It, yeah, it's, it's all part of the game. Yeah. So equalizing, like seriously, this is like actual advice now. Um, when it comes to equalizing, because I'm the kind of person who struggles with, you know, clearing my ears, I have small sinuses that clog up very easily. Um, you know, the night before I go dive, I'll typically take Sudafed or some kind of anti-congestant that kind of helps to clear out my already small sinuses, possibly even the morning of as well. And then also night before morning of practicing clearing my sinuses before I get in the water and try to clear them. That way you kind of clear out all the little pieces of gunk that are already stuck in there. And then you also get your ears accustomed to like, okay, what feels right in terms of clearing my ears? Do I have to tilt my head a little bit? If one of them is a little bit harder to clear, kind of, if my left ear is harder to clear, I'll turn my head to the right. So that the air pushes up my sinuses a little bit more to help that clearing process. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this as well, Karen. Do you, do you scuba as well? No, I mean, I've been, uh, but we're talking like Mexico off of Ponga with yeah. uh, gear that's probably from 1985. Nice. Nice. <laughs> yeah, super, super safe. Really super safe. Super safe. You know, calculated. But yeah, so... <laughs> For for me, I'm I'm on the search and rescue dive team for lifeguards, and through scuba diving frequently and training with those guys, I've learned how to better clear my ears. With scuba, you know, you can descend head up with your feet facing down towards the bottom and just let out the air and slowly sink. And it's much easier to clear 
your sinuses when your head is upright. Because if you picture, you know, your respiratory system as a, a balloon, essentially, when you're going underwater, all that mm-hmm. pressure pushes the air to the top. And so all that air is up in, you know, your upper respiratory tract and your sinuses. So when you go to equalize, all that extra pressure helps you equalize the pressure in your ears. Versus when you're free diving, you are head down kicking towards the bottom. All of a sudden that balloon is flipped over and all that air gets pushed into the bottom of your lungs. And so when you're trying to equalize with your head down, there's less air to work with to add that pressure to push back out inside your ears. And so yeah, scuba diving has actually helped my free diving a lot because I've become more accustomed to like, okay, I'm equalizing upright. Now I'm equalizing with my head tilted slightly down and I can slowly inch my way down to equalizing with my head down more effectively. That way, like when I'm free diving, I know, okay, I got my head down. I've been able to equalize for the last 20 feet or whatever. And all of a sudden I hit my little block. If you kind of put your head up a little bit more and go a little bit higher up and then you can kind of equalize it, then you can work your way back down with your head down again. Unfortunately, it's just a longer process of getting to the bottom. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a little bit more energy, but that's like, those topics are super important too, because I feel like a lot of people just like kick down and equalize and that's it. And then they come back up and they don't take their rescue breaths or anything like that. Like there's a Mm -hmm. lot of safety that goes into even just diving 10 feet down, you know, like, Oh yeah. Ryder and I were talking about the shallow, shallow water blackouts and you know, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. Uh, Mm -hmm. So having that, you're, you're bringing up really good stuff and I'm learning from you right now, which is super cool, but awesome. um, Yeah. Equalizing rescue breaths and stuff like, and I'm an, I'm an all right diver. I can dive. Mm -hmm. I've done, you know, dive classes. I've dove 80 feet, but I can't stay down there like you guys can, (laughs) but I I have done it. Um, (laughs) And it's, it's fun, dude, but I did it in a trained and like a training environment with Mark Mm -hmm. Lozano, who's a great diver. And so, yeah, safety is like another huge thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. safety is our main priority. And that's what I I like to tell people that if you like to surf, take the brag course, the big wave risk assessment Mm -hmm. group, like just because you don't want to surf big waves doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Like you learn so much stuff. It's such a good, Mm -hmm. good, good class. And they have a couple of them like in Hawaii and here in California. And then Mm -hmm. if you dive, go take a free diving class. Just because you're only diving five feet doesn't mean you shouldn't do the class. Like there's a lot that you can learn a lot, Mm -hmm. even just talking to you, Max, like hopefully people get that from this podcast right now, like listening to you talk about equalizing, like that's huge. And that was such a good example of like how you can equalize like upright instead of going down. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, us being in the position we're in where, you know, we, we have this wonderful platform of, you know, salt life. Yep. You know, to, to spread the message of, Pushing the limit safely is very important because there's one thing of getting all frothed out and stoked and just like, oh yeah, let's just do this. If that is within your comfort zone, great. That's all you, you know? But if that isn't in your comfort zone and you want to get there, you can get there, but you have to make sure you do it in a way that you're going to get back home as well. You know, it doesn't matter if you're not going to, if you're going to go down to a hundred feet and shoot that fish if you're not going to make it back up to the surface and get home, what, what was the point? You know, not only did you yeah. hurt yourself, but like, it's now you're just, 
Yeah. And so to be able to enjoy all of the the wonderful things about the ocean safely is I think the biggest message that you know we could all spread. And this this everyone is coming from a lifeguard as well right here. So this is a good good guy to be listening to and he's part of the dive team. So you've got mm-hmm. the training, you've got the resources. Um, I'm sure there's a lot I can learn from you. Hey, Max, how long, how long have you been a part of Salt Life? Oh, man, <laughs> a very long time. Yeah, I, I was originally a part of Salt Life. Oh, gosh, what was I like 14? I think um, back when I was stand up paddling as a junior pro. And, you know, I was traveling all over the place doing races and stand up surfing competitions and, you know, long distance races, sprint races, technical course races like races. And that was when I originally became a part of Salt Life. And I'm very fortunate to have Salt Life continue with me on this journey of trying to be a more well-rounded waterman and, you know, have their support. It's, it's very, very cool to me just to be able to have this company that is not just focused on surfing. You know, I feel like a lot of companies out there are like, oh yeah, we're surfing, you know, or fishing. Salt Life embodies the salt life. You know, if, if you're in the water or around the water, on the water, you are living the salt life. It's very, very cool to be a part of something like that. Yeah, it's insane. We do a really, really good job with including every single individual in the whole entire world because mm-hmm. not only our name, salt life, but just the way that the whole family of salt life treats everyone. You know, we yeah. go to the beach and we meet somebody and they want to learn something. We're going to talk to them about it. And we're, we're really good at that. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Little shout out for you. Do you have a, you have Instagram, right? Yeah. My Instagram is at Maximu underscore. <laughs> it's a, it's a funny. Maximu, huh? Maximu. Well, it's Maximo, really, but Okay. I guess there's got to be a story to it, right? I was when I was younger. Yeah. My Instagram was Max Fleming, ninety eight year I was born. And it was just too personal. Like my dad had friends at work being like, "Oh, is this your kid?" Like on Instagram and stuff. That was before I was like trying to, you know, say, "Hey, look at this fish I caught," or "Look at me surfing this wave," you know. And uh, it, it was just like you got to change it. It's too obvious that you're you know, your information is out there, right? And so everyone at the summer camp I was going to when I was way younger called me Maximo. And I put in my name on Instagram as Maximo, Maximo one, Maximo underscore, whatever, trying all this stuff. And uh, I was like, oh, maybe I could try two O's. And so I went Maximo underscore and that worked. And I was like, sweet, game on, I'm Maximo. And I go to school the next day and everyone's like, oh, what's up, Maximu? Oh, Maximu. And like, just started rousting me on it. <laughs> so it, it stuck. <laughs> so I'm still Maximu, so, I guess. So now it's just but, Maximu, dude. I love it. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's pretty funny. You have any fishing trips or anything planned coming up? Man, the bluefin are so close that I, I haven't it's had a crazy, need to yeah. go anywhere else. It's like, I'm not even kidding. Three miles off the beach, which for, you know, the people in, do you watch Wicked Tuna? 
Dude, honestly, I don't really watch that many shows. I mean, that, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Gold Rush Alaska and all that stuff. I'm all into. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Deadly's Catch, right. Gold Rush Alaska. Know, I'm dude. all about those shows, dude. But yeah, w- Wicked Tuna is like, it's, it's all these commercial bluefin fishermen on the East Coast. And okay, bluefin on the East Coast and the West Coast, both Atlantic and Pacific, they're the same bluefin. The difference is, is that they have made their home in shallow waters and they feed in those shallow waters and they get really big, they get really fat and they stick around. Whereas the bluefin on our coast, they're migratory. They move around a lot. Their meat is very muscular. It's very protein rich, very dense. Um, The fish typically don't get that big because they don't have the opportunity to just kind of sit there and feed and and allow their bodies to grow. They're always on the run. There's always something chasing them. They've never passed that threshold of like becoming a, you know, 500, 1,000 pound fish. I think uh, we're in the process of actually seeing that starting to happen on our coast. Uh, it seems like within the past 10 years, they've kind of started to follow their same migratory patterns and make some homage in shallower water. And they are getting a little bit bigger too. Last year, they got two fish over 400 pounds out of Newport Beach, which is crazy to me. But yeah, it's still nowhere near the the kind of stuff they're getting on the East Coast. They're fishing like 80 feet of water, catching fish that are 800 pounds. And it's, yeah, it it's insane to me. We We don't have that kind of fishing over here yet. Dude. I had a buddy that caught an mm-hmm. 80 pound bluefin in like 65 foot of water like two weeks ago. I heard about that at like Sano, right? Yeah. Yeah. Insane. That, I mean, I don't think that's ever going to happen again over here, but I mean, dude, dude I hope it does though. Can you imagine just I like really going out with a spear gun from the shore and spearing a bluefin? Like, he said that when he when they were reeling it in, he was watching surfers at San Onofre catch waves. <laughs> or just paddle out to the lineup at old man's and cast out your <laughs> your 80 wide and get an iron and just get one. Yeah. <laughs> just nail a massive bluefin from the lineup, surf the thing in. <laughs> <laughs> Are you uh do you have work today, Max? I do. I got work today. Yeah. Driving the driving the truck up in Laguna Beach. Oh yeah, you're on. You have a give a you're you're gonna have a good day today. Saturday. Oh yeah. Sunny. Saturday, it's 75 degrees outside, water 70. It's uh it's gonna be a good one. Max, thanks, thanks uh so much for coming on, dude. Especially early morning like this. I really appreciate it. And we uh look forward to having you again. Yeah, thank you, Kieran. I appreciate being on the show. It's fun talking to you. It's fun being able to yeah, spread sure. like, you know, the, the little bit of information I do have about things I've learned about the ocean and how to interact with it with, you know, others, make sure people are out there loving and enjoying the ocean, but doing so safely and so that they're able to go back home and eat that fish they caught with their family for dinner. hundred percent agree. hundred percent agree. And it's good too, to be able to listen to each other and give advice to each other. And I know that even if it's that one little thing, uh, mm-hmm. maybe somebody takes it and they run a mile with it. So that's what I love about these podcasts is we can share those little things of information that 
go a long way for one, even if it's one person, you know, but um, yeah, that's going to go be shared around the world. So that's what's rad. These podcasts are so fun to me because we get to just talk to so many different people and get yeah. so many different stories. And I love that. Oh yeah. Stoked to be here. Yeah, dude, we'll get you on. We'll get you on another time or we should, you know, what we should do is just make a YouTube video fishing for bluefin, which we need to do. Yeah. No, I'm super down. Get it while it's hot, right? Yeah. We'll, we'll get, we'll get out, there. out there soon. We'll make it happen. Yeah. All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Max, thanks again for coming on and uh, we'll catch you next time, man. Right on. Thank you very much. Stoked to be here. Thanks for listening to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this podcast, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. Stay salty. Phew.